Welcome to the latest episode of the Apple at Work podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things Apple and the enterprise, healthcare, education, and everything in between. As always, I'm your host, Bradley Chambers, and this week I have one of my uh, favorite podcasters, uh, writers, uh, really everything in between, uh, David Sparks from MaxSparky.com. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brad. So uh, for our listeners that don't know you, can you kind of give us a rundown of where you're at on the internet in case they want to learn more about you in the future? Sure. Yeah, primarily, you can find me, at least the tech side of my life, over at maxsparky.com. And that has links to everything I do, but I make some podcasts over at Relay.fm, one called Mac Power Users, one called um, Automators, and one called Focused. And uh, I also make um, video courses, which I call the Max Sparky Field Guides, which you can find at learn.maxsparky.com. You know, in my podcast library, Mac Power Users is probably the podcast that has been going on the longest. I believe it's been running since 2009. Am I right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah, we are, I think, at 11 years now. That sounds about and, right. You know, it's funny to say when I talk to people, I say, look, I've been listening to podcasts um, for longer than a lot of people have been alive. I've been a podcast listener since 2004, uh, really when podcasting um, just was getting started. So it's awesome to see these podcasts having this this legacy. Um, the, the reason I wanted to have you on today is by trade, your 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 trade is a field which is very traditional in the in the IT world uh, with being standardized on Windows. So you're an attorney by yeah. day. And yeah. I know you work for yourself now. You used to work for, um, you know, a firm, a traditional firm. But you're, you know, you've always been a Mac guy as long as I've known you an Apple guy. Um, so kind of talk to us about when you kind of first, you know, working for a big law firm, what was it like being the Mac guy? And, and you know, Give us that experience. What problems did you run into? What what good things happened? Just tell us how that experience went. Well, I mean, historically, the legal profession is driven on Windows computers. I mean, they're enterprise friendly. They're cheap. You know, these firms just kind of issue fleets of them. And also kind of historically, the legal focus software was all on Windows, you know, so that that was the challenge, but Windows computers, especially historically, were terrible. Um, I think they're probably better now, but the um, I just I just didn't like using them. I was a Mac guy. It wasn't like a um, it wasn't like an attitude thing. It was just like I felt like I did better work on a Mac. I've always I, I think the Mac has these great software developers that are always making amazing software. Scrivener is a good example. I did so many illegal briefs in Scrivener over the years. But either way, so I, I decided to get my own Mac and do bring your own device before bring your own device was a thing. And I just brought a laptop to work with me and I did my work on that and I found ways to make it work. I wasn't in a huge firm, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, the most interesting thing when I started using a Mac in the legal practice, which is probably 15, 20 years ago now, um, the, was the reaction of other lawyers. You know, like I would go to court. And they would say, you know, what, what, what is that computer? You know, <laughs> I think I remember I have a distinct memory of the white plastic MacBook I was using in a trial and the other lawyer made fun of me and he came in 
he literally just made fun of me. It was not like being like friendly. It was being a jerk. And he came in with his, um, he had like a, it was a big trial. So he had like a tech guy with him that they had hired for the whole trial to manage all their technology. And it's just me sitting there with my Mac. And I totally gutted them with keynote, by the way, it was, it was awesome. But so it was a, it was a device that people undervalued and, um, I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah, and it's really still, if you're looking in the, the law industry, I know one of the still um, prominent applications is dragging dictation. Uh, is that yeah. an app that you use back back on your PC days? Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's probably the best reason to use a PC laptop for a lawyer. I mean, um, in a nuance had a product on the Mac for several years, and then last year they stopped doing it. Um, and I miss that. And, and honestly, the version on Mac never quite was at the level of the version on the PC. Um, but yeah, that, that is one of the softwares that a lot of lawyers use. This episode of the Apple at work podcast is sponsored by nine to five max enterprise device repair services through I fix your eye. You can find out more about our services that we offer for device repairs for schools and businesses for iPads, iPhones, and Macs at 9to5mac.ifixyourei.com. That's 9to5mac.ifixyourei.com. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So again, if you need uh, iPads repaired, uh, Macs, any really any Apple device, we can repair it through ifixyourei.com. So again, that's 9to5mac.ifixyour, the letter I, .com. Well, and, and I guess really today, uh, if you were in a law profession and you wanted to use Dragon Dictation, you can always use uh, VMware Parallels or something like that to run it because it is a very popular app. It's very accurate. Uh, I mean, if you've, if for our listeners that have never used it, if the Siri Dictation frustrates you, the, the, the Nuance's Dragon Dictation software is really first class. Uh, it, it's almost amazing how accurate uh, it can be. Uh, and, and I would say one of the things that's really changed um, for all organizations, um, you know, in the past decade is the move away from everything being so heavily tied to a local Windows server where you have to come in yeah. and you connect the, to the domain and you have the files on the shared drive and your emails with Exchange, you know, and even though that Macs play well with, with those platforms today, the industry's just changed to where, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of smaller organizations are likely using, you know, somewhat of, you know, cloud services. Um, what, you know, now that you are on your own, what's kind of your tech stack and, and, you know, what, where do you, what, what are your key apps? How do you store your documents specifically the ones that have legal implications? Yeah. The, um, I, it depends on the type of legal documents. Confidential client documents stay on my local drive. Um, but stuff that is shareable, I use an iCloud shared folder system. And my um, my hardware is an iMac Pro, which frankly I use for Mac Sparky stuff more than legal. I could get get away with something less powerful for legal. And then I have a laptop. I, in fact, I just took delivery of an M1 a MacBook Air, which I'd love. And then I use a large size iPad and that's one of the interesting workflows as a lawyer. Uh, the type of law I do involves a lot of contract negotiations. So I get these PDFs of contracts all the time. 
And I love that workflow on the iPad where you've got a PDF viewer and, and your Apple Pencil and then I open and that's two thirds of the screen on a big iPad and then one third of the screen is a drafts window. And I use a uh, Siri dictation in lieu of dragon. And what I was going to say earlier is Siri's gotten a lot better. I mean, it's not as good as dragon, but it's pretty good, you know? So I'll just sit there and highlight a document and dictate notes to the client, which gets turned into an email to the client with the initial highlights. And it's a workflow that, really just sings on the iPad. Um, well, yeah, I would say, I would think particularly when you've got those, you know, double digit long PDFs that sitting in front of your iMac pro reading those in, and, and, you know, using a PDF editor, is going to get sort of tedious and yeah. to where that's where the, you know, we talk about the, you know, where does an iPad fit in, in a lot of people's lives and, and say in my life, I can get by without an iPad, but for you, it's just it's it's a peer to your Mac to where you can take that, go to a, a coffee shop, go to somewhere where you can sit in, in a comfortable chair and I'm gonna sit down and read this and I'm gonna make notes. And it's an experience that you just can't even recreate that level of comfort and that level of efficiency on the Mac. Um, and it makes the iPad it particularly I, I would say in the law profession, really a must have device. Yeah, you know, it is, I think for some people it isn't. I mean, there's this whole thing with iPad and Mac where people feel like they have to choose a side. And uh, I don't agree with that. I'm fortunate enough that I can afford to have each. And they're both good at different things. Like I have entirely given up on managing email on an iPad or iPhone. It's just, you know, if you listen to Mac Power users, I have spent so much time going through a bunch of crappy apps that sometimes work and sometimes don't and seem to break your heart every time you get invested in them to the point that at this point I just manage email on my Mac. And, uh, but then you look at the other workflow for like uh, task management and, and this uh, PDF review, that's really great on the iPad. And so I, I like to use the best tool for the job, whatever that tool is. Well, and I think that's a very good point. And I think email is a great one to where, I'm, I'm sure, particularly on the law side, uh, you, you just inundated with with questions and with questions. And, and if you're in a situation where you're billing a client um, by the hour, you really don't want to be on a Saturday picking up your phone and having a universal inbox and seeing that email. You, you really want to wait until you can sit down at your computer and, and give that email the full attention that it needs, and, and you know, draft a response. You know, and like you said, in some ways, and some t- there are times you're better off to not have access to all that data on all your devices because you're in some ways less focused, um, which is obviously one of your, you know, it's kind of the topics of one of your podcasts, but uh, just kind of saying this device is for this and and nothing else. Like really, I think just because a device can get email doesn't mean you should get email on it. Yeah. And then like, there's a whole bunch of things I do with email. Like um, I like to, create links to email where I can access them. So if I have an email related to a transaction, I can reference it later with just a click. And there's a whole bunch of things that I can do that are just like Apple script is a huge benefit for me with managing email. And so, you know, yeah, I kind of got off track there, but, but my stack is generally, you know, it's the Apple hardware up and down and what I consider to be the best in breed app for whatever the problem I'm solving. 
Do you ever think about uh, reason I says because I've got a brother-in-law that's uh, fresh out of law school? Do you ever think about the technology that is, exists today and what your law school experience would have been like having Google Docs, all these devices that sync everywhere? I mean, how how much easier would law school have been? Oh uh, man, it's just crazy. And also, like the note-taking apps on the iPad that can record a lecture and index to the recording and. Um, just the research tools. It, it is night and day. I mean, there's a whole conversation I could have with you about legal focused software because it is all overpriced by 10 X in my opinion and underperformed by 10 X. I mean, I've never, you've never seen when you see these people that make uh, legal industry specific software, such, you know, so many of these apps are just big turds and they sell them for thousands of dollars. They cost so much money. And then you've got to pay a consultant to teach someone in your firm how to work it because the user interface is so bad that you need actually a three day class to understand how it works. And I just, I just feel like that the legal industry is so ripe for someone to come in with a common sense approach towards software. But that was one of the things for me in the early days with a Mac is I just made my own stuff, you know, like, there's a there's a great relational database app for lawyers called CaseMap. I, I assume it's still in production. I haven't really looked, but the um, but I just made my own version of that with Apple's numbers, you know. And then like, there's a lot of stuff you can do with Apple software. Um, the uh, in the law profession, people pay thousands of dollars for software to ma- to do file management in Hazel, which is like 30 bucks is better and more powerful. So um, it, it is crazy um, how, how good you can do with just the built-in stack of, of Apple software. Well, it's, it's like the old saying in enterprise IT, no one ever got fired for going with Cisco. And I, and I imagine if you're a, an IT consultant or an IT person at a law firm, you know, you kind of, from a cover your butt perspective, you can't go wrong with the um, kind of the clunky law software because that's what the industry says is the best where somebody says, Hey, if I recommend this Hazel app for file management and this doesn't work, you know, I'm going to look, I'm going to look stupid. But like you said, there's a lot of these tools that just because they're kind of quote unquote built for the law industry doesn't mean they're good. And there's plenty of things that aren't built for the law industry that actually can do the job just, just as good. I mean, I mean, even, um, like, I mean, I imagine from a, from a task management perspective, are you, what are you using today? Are you using OmniFocus to do us? How do you manage your task? Yeah. Uh, OmniFocus. I've been a big user. I mean, I try everything when it comes out, but I keep coming back to OmniFocus. Um, I just have, I have so much going on in my life that I need a power tool and OmniFocus is the one I use for that. Yeah. So that's not a, a tool built for lawyers. But yeah. it's flexible and powerful enough where you can make it work where I'm sure there's some sort of custom productivity software for lawyers that is garbage, that is slow and clunky and probably cost 10 times what OmniFocus costs. And like you said, requires a consultant yeah. to install it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and that just goes to show. Now, if, if you were a lawyer, if you were mentoring a, a somebody fresh out of school, maybe starting at a small firm and maybe even open, opening up their own firm, what would you advise them to kind of, you know, hey, here's the three three things I wish I'd known when I was going out of my own. Like, what kind of software do they need? What would you recommend somebody to get started with? Well, I think if you're going out on your own, like I, I speak, I'm on, I'm on the faculty of the American Bar Association's tech show. They do it in Chicago, or at least they used to before all of this. 
So I've spoken, I don't know, 10 or 12 times at this conference. And every time I go, they've got a big like exhibit hall as part of the conference, you know, and once again, we have to take ourselves out of the COVID mindset when people used to gather and they've, so they've got, it's in the, this massive exhibit hall with all these vendors selling legal software. And you watch these attorneys just walking down these aisles and they've got this blank look on their face because they know they need to get better at technology. I mean, the legal industry is one that historically is not good at technology, but they don't know what they want to do. They don't know what they should do. And they've got their checkbook and they, they want somebody that's going to tell them that if they write a check with enough zeros, that they're going to get good at technology, that the problem is going to be solved. And it's entirely the wrong way to go about it. It just doesn't work that way. It, no matter how much money you give these vendors, uh, a lot of them are selling snake oil and even the ones that are trying to do the right thing. It just doesn't, you can't buy yourself out of that problem. So to someone getting started, I would say, pick, you know, some small area of your practice and figure out a good solution for you on that. And just do that first and just build your own stack on your own. Um, I know in big firms, it doesn't work that way. They have IT managers and things like that, but um, that's the reason why small firms can beat big firms, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's a thing in the flexibility and being able to, um, you know, pick the right pick the best tools uh, there. And I think that's a kind of a good mindset of like, just uh, the technology has gotten a place where you don't have to have industry specific tools to, to do things, to manage files, to manage tasks. Um, last question before I let you go, how do you do your uh, invoicing um, for, for uh, your uh, clients? I, you know, I don't know that I'm doing it right, but um, there are legal specific invoicing programs at my old firm. Invoicing used to be like a three day process, which was crazy. Um, and you know, time slips and they, they had a whole bunch of like kind of, uh, software that was historically used in law firms. Um, instead I use a cloud-based service and I chose harvest, um, because harvest has a good international billing system. And some of my clients are international over in Asia and Europe and it's, you know, to pay me, it's harder for them if you don't have a good system for international payment. So harvest does, um, and I've been using them for, I don't know, five years. So uh, it'd be really hard for me to move out because all the data is in there. Um, but um, I'm not sure if I had to do over again, I would go with them. You know, there, there's a couple little problems I have with the way the system works. And um, I think that's one where I would have spent more time looking at other options. But at the time I'm like, I was getting started I had clients that couldn't pay me that were overseas. I'm like, Harvest does that? Okay, I'll use that service. And that was a mistake, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it. They're, they're great. I mean, if it was terrible, I'd move out. But it's just like, I feel like it's not as ideal as it could be. But that's a service that was not built for lawyers. It's another one that I use. You know, it's fine, though. And that's something that uh, as a entrepreneur and, and a business owner, that, that's something that is a lot easier today than it was 10 years ago, you know, invoicing you yeah. paid online from around the world. Um, yeah. that, that used to be hard. And I, you know, what I use for, for any freelance work I do, I use FreshBooks and then uh, they have two payment processors. They have their own and they also work with Stripe as well. So um, again, generally pretty happy with it. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but it, but it works well. But again, I mean, this is one of those um, things that aren't perfect today 
like, you know, solutions that weren't perfect today, we didn't even exist, you know, 15 years ago, 10, 10 years ago. And it's so much easier to do. I mean, it's from, like you said, at your old firms, these things are super complicated and now you can send a bill and get paid in a matter of, you know, minutes almost. Yeah. Um, and, and I use FreshBooks for all my Max Barking invoicing. And honestly, I would probably switch to FreshBooks with the law <laughs> practice too. If I had the, it's just, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard moving out. In fact, as we record this, we're getting towards the end of the year. Maybe I need to look again. Maybe that would be a good January one project for me. Yeah. It's always one of those things. Um, the best time to change invoice invoicing systems is today and the day you first started. I mean, it's just like, there's never a good day to, to change that. And it is, and I understand your hesitation because whatever you switch to has to be almost 10 times better or 10 times cheaper because it's going to be so much work, uh, to change. Yeah. But, you know, again, that, and that's something that affects all industries is how you bill. And, you know, I think one of the biggest thing that's probably helped the, you, you know, you move into the Apple world in this traditionally PC uh, ecosystem as we wrap up is really the rise of web services and, and web apps. And you're not having to get a PC specific uh, billing app. It's like you can open up Safari and go to a website. And, and as much as I love native Mac software, the fact that PC, you know, web apps are so commonplace has been good for Apple people using Macs at work. Yeah, and kind of to put a capper on the story I told you at the beginning, how people used to make fun of my Mac. Nobody makes fun of a Mac anymore in the law profession because everything is web-based and it's choose-your-own-platform time now. And there's lots of attorneys that use Macs. And it's just not, it's not, I'm not the snowflake I once was for using a Mac in the practice of law. Well, David, thanks for coming on the show. Um, we'll have a link to the various places people can find you. And if any of our listeners are not a, a listener, my uh, power users, highly recommend it. Co-hosted by a good friend of mine, Stephen Hackett. Uh, it's, I love it. comes out every Sunday night. So it's either my last podcast of the weekend or it's the first one the next morning, uh, depending on uh, my timing. And it's just a, even if you're an experienced uh, Apple person, there's always a fun, uh, fun, um, tip to learn. And so I can highly recommend it. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. Uh, but uh, David, thanks for coming on the show and, uh, and best of luck to you the rest of the year. Thanks Bradley. Have a good one. Take care.